Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another day, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I'll sit down with Sid Stone and you're in for a treat. We have a lovely, lovely chat and... Yeah, find out some things I didn't know that he was working on that involves the people just do nothing, lads. And, oh, well, I'm not going to say too much. Um, I'll let Sid tell you all about that. Um, and, yeah, we, we, we just have a really, really nice chat. And uh, I think you're going to really, really enjoy it. Uh, before we get on with that, just a few thank yous. Thank you to Scribius Pip and everyone over at the Distraction Pieces Network. Uh, thank you to 76 for producing this podcast. Um, I hope you're doing well. It's uh, where we're we today, the 19th of February. We recorded this episode, and uh, you know we're hoping that there's going to be some some announcements to take us out of this weird lockdown situation we've been in for for, for what you know for for a hell of a long time now. And yeah, I hope you're all coping all right. Hope you're uh, finding enough things to kind of you know busy your minds with and and you know taking comfort in 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 good records and podcasts and stuff like that and uh hopefully there's a there's a nice big bright light at the end of the tunnel and and fingers crossed we'll soon be able to go back to the things that we love doing and uh and that very much is 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 a is a thing that keeps sort of reappearing in me conversation I have with Sid today about you know that kind of connection with with people and and being able to just brush shoulders with people in gigs and concerts and clubs and pubs and yeah so uh also if this is your first time listening to off the beaten track podcast and you've enjoyed this conversation um why not go and have a a little rummage through my archive when you finished uh, today's episode. Um, you can hear me talking to uh, Sipa from People Just Do Nothing. I've done an episode with with him, which is wonderful. Um, and you can hear me talking to artists as diverse as Chuck D from Public Enemy, the Foo Fighters, uh, Melanie C from the Spice Girls, uh, Tommy Lee from Motley Crue, and some of the... You know, the greatest comedians about at the moment, you know, artists like James A. Caster, Ed Gamble, Jade Adams, uh, Maisie Adam, like loads. So go and have a, a little look about in the back catalogue and, uh, and yeah, and better still subscribe because uh, it just means that each week a couple of episodes will just pop up on your listening device and you don't have to even go looking for them. Um, yeah, also there's a Patreon uh, that is the kind of me one little sales pitch here, so I'm going to uh, I'm going to go for it now. Um, yeah, each week I put up um, some video episodes, uh, some radio shows, and some bespoke episodes. Uh, 
only for my Patreons. And so if you want to access that, you do that by supporting the podcast. It costs you about 71p a week. And like I say, each week you'll get at least three episodes to either watch or listen to. Um, and so that really does mean that you also support the podcast because this is my my favourite labour of love, but it is very much that. And it's, you know, as I touched upon at the beginning, a lot, you know, people I know are taking comfort in, you know, Netflix and music and podcasts in these strange times we find ourselves in. And creating these podcasts is definitely been something that's been a wonderful distraction for me to to be able to kind of take time out most days and, and chat to these wonderful, beautiful, creative people and get their stories and it's 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 been a real healthy thing to do as well. So I hope that you lot get as much joy, you know, or even half as much joy listening as I do getting to, you know, have these conversations. Um so in regards to the back catalogue and the Patreon uh, and anything else you need to know about this podcast, you can find out about it all at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Let's get on with it. Please enjoy Off the Beat and Track Podcast with Sid Stone. It's Off the Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It me, Stu Whiffin. We are recording. How are you doing, Sid? Very well, thank you, Stu. Good, good, good. Um, How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, I've uh, I've had me walk this morning. It's uh, It's a little bit... It's a little bit overcast, but the, you know the last of the snow's gone. So it's uh, I'm just hoping. Yeah. From what I gather, I mean, we should say we're recording this on the 19th of uh, Feb. From what I gather yeah. this weekend, we're going to get some sunshine, which should be lovely. I've heard it said. I don't want to get too confident, but I have heard it's definitely feeling warmer in the air mm. uh, the last last couple of days. Well, before we get on to talking records, Sid, I just want to ask you um, the the obvious question that. You know, everybody asks everybody now, and and that's just like how you found the last year, and as as both a human being and a, and as a creative. Um. Well, yeah. It's. I mean, I think in my mind, there's no way of of, of addressing the subject without being very real about all the really the the difficulties that I've faced and, and everyone everyone is facing to a certain degree. And I think some people are facing it a lot, you know, getting a, a much harder experience than others. Um, so yeah, I've definitely been pushed to the limits of all kinds of, um, I don't know. It's just parts of my life. I just took for granted and didn't even realize we're sort of gluing everything together. Not having those things has taken its toll on, on me in so many different ways. And I think that's the story for a lot of people. Um, that said, I, I like to think think about that first, and then that said, you know, a lot of great stuff has come from it as well. And, um, and the first lockdown is funny. I, I was sort of, I was struck by the fact that, it was, that basically, I I had been isolating myself for, for several years, um, and and you know, just, just sort of living, just working on music the whole time, and, and not really seeing many people. And then suddenly, everyone was doing the same as what I was doing. And I was like, oh, this is great now. You know, everyone's on the same wavelength as me. But um, yeah, I, I managed to get quite a lot done. And it was obviously the summer and it was a lot brighter. I was living out in Somerset. So, you know, I, I wasn't, um, it, was, it was a pleasant environment to be in. It was grand. And then, you know, this new, this most recent one, I've been back in London in January, a bit more 
gloomy, bit more <laughs> sort of. Um, I don't know. It's it's got bit, it's got a bit old in 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 in, in many ways. I think. Um, so yeah, real mixed bag. I mean, I, in some ways, I've done more exciting and fun stuff recently. In some ways, like work wise, like I, I, stuff's happening in, in a fun way. But so I should be excited, but then also, I don't know. I'm. I, I I love being a human more than I love being like good at my job. If you know what I mean. And so, the fact that I can't go rub shoulders with people at my local pub, the fact that I can't go to a gig or go to a rave and hear like and just share in life with people, that it really takes a toll on me. So, mixed bag. Mixed and, bag. and I think that, that you know everybody sort of mentions the word pub, and and I don't necessarily always take that. Literally, I think that I just think that's the the instant place you think of, mm. but it's not necessarily having that pint in that pub, is it? It's the connection with people. That's the thing, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. I think that's what this is revealed. Revealed weirdly, people don't aren't really talking about it in the news, or definitely not in Parliament. But the the pub in Britain is it's like cultural. It's like some social common ground where people are sharing in, in the experiences of life. And like, that might sound like, oh, you just want to go have a pint, don't you? And we're, you know, we're funny people, so we, we don't like to take things too seriously in this country. But really, that is what it is. Like, it's, it, and it always has been. It's like the place where after work, people can come and sort of let go of the stresses of their day and, and like make light of the difficulties that they're facing and connect with people. And I think that's a really, really important thing. And I was, before the COVID, I, w- I was getting a bit concerned about how many pubs, like local, simple community pubs were closing down in order to be replaced by gastro pubs. And there was that whole thing with pubs needing to become food pubs to get a certain tax, you know. And it just meant that all these amazing places that were sort of, they were like community centers for adults, like like youth clubs for adults, really. And, and people, you know, seeing them all closed down in my area, I was just, I was slightly concerned about the effect they would have. And, and that now with this lockdown, we've seen the extreme of that. Like what, what happens to this nation when people can't have that com- communal time together? And it's not good. And the government's, you know, are, are- I run a licensed venue and have done for for nearly thirty years, and you know that that's been closed for uh, you know over nearly a year now, and and it was tough enough anyway pre lockdown, and and the fact that people are now realising just how much they miss them spaces, but the government still don't seem to appreciate them spaces, and you know I think pubs and venues and nightclubs are, are, are never going to be things that the government are going to value and and it and it feels feels like that and you know i just think there's so many factors involved in you know in, in why these places are starting to disappear and you know the fact that i, I guess for you know as, as my license premises is a, is a live music venue and, and, and nightclub yeah. uh, and and all of a sudden you don't need to go to a nightclub to hear new music. You know, you can listen to everything you want from your phone. You don't necessarily need to go to a nightclub to meet a guy, a girl, you know, you can do that on your phone and Mm. you don't need to go and spend 
you know, four pound on a pint in a pub because the government won't cap what they're selling cases of lager for in supermarkets for like eight quid. And so, you know, why, you know, you can see why, you know, the generations that are coming through probably don't have that kind of dependence, not dependency is the wrong word, but that, that kind of draw to a pub for, for so many reasons. And I just hope that the, 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 the thing that comes out of this is just that, Mm. value on connection and the fact that these spaces are a wonderful place for connection whether it's watching a band whether it's just dancing mm. rubbing shows all the things that you mentioned Sid and you know or mm. just meeting your mate after work for a pint and the pint's secondary it's the conversation isn't it it's the connection 100% 100% and I'd go so far as to say that for me at least and maybe I'm weird but like the person I go with is also secondary. Like I'm, I'm there for whoever else is there, and and that doesn't not only in my local where I know the people and it's good to see you. And like, how's your mum and this? But just like in in any, you know, some of the best. If you've been to festivals and raised this beautiful culture we have in Britain, the best time you may have in that three day festival will be that one time where that random geezer was like talking to you about some story. You know, that that whole like nineties rave culture sort of what's your story, what you on type thing where you. You, it's it seems so trivial at the time. It's like, oh, I'm just, you know, drunk talking to this person, or you know, people are on MDMA talking to each other and making friends. But really, and you can laugh at it, but really, think about what that is. That's like you're showing yourself and the, and the person you're talking to and each other that like the stranger isn't a stranger, and there there are friends and there 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 are good souls and people who can like enrich your life all around you at all times and that's such a valuable lesson to learn and it's a very powerful idea um and i think the more atomized we become as a society in this country you know as you say with you know the, the kids don't want to go to the club anymore because uh they don't need to go there to meet girls or they don't need that to go to the tunes and you can go buy you know 20 tesco owned brand lagers for eight quid or whatever it is the more that happens like the, the the more sort of not afraid, but the less um, I don't know what the word is, but but we we, we sort of there's a risk of of becoming sort of wary of of the rest of us, like us people, like your fellow countrymen, not to sound like nationalistic, or people who are also living in this country together. And instead of embracing those people and knowing that. You may not know them, but they're probably pretty sound. And, you know, if, if it was a party or a, a rave or in the pub, you could probably brush shoulders with them and have a nice chat. Um, I think the more separated we become from each other, the le- the more we forget that idea. And and that's such a powerful, beautiful, and I think such a, such a truly British idea. None of the old worn-out ideas of national identity, but actually a real acceptance of, of, of ourselves and, and of everyone. And... Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I really, really hope that this time when we haven't had those experiences will make us cherish them and um, and build more, you know, ways to, to embrace them into our society. Because you're right, the government don't appreciate venues. They don't appreciate live music. They don't appreciate culture. They don't think that it's important. They, they can't see, like, this is what I always think. Not only are they mean, but they're also just dumb because... If you want an effective workforce to have a powerful economy, which I guess is what they, these guys want, then you've got to understand that those guys, you know, they only work those 
50-hour weeks for so long if they can't go to the pub on a Friday after work or if they can't save their cash so they can go Glastonbury and have it large in the summer, which is that's what, you know, even from 18-year-olds to 50-year-olds in this country, people are living for the, for the weekend and then for the living for the summer for the festivals. And the, the idea that the government think they can just close down venues and, and kill culture with impunity, like it's not going to collapse their their interests as well. I just, yeah, it's dumb. Let's talk records. Yeah, sorry. Oh, I, 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 I just thought, you know what, I'm going to rein it in because I'm going to end up just carrying on with this because uh, it's something I'm ridiculously passionate about Sid and uh, okay oh well I'm yeah. glad I've hope I, I was suddenly like god maybe I'm ranting to no to, not to... at all not at all and you're and you're ranting exactly what I'm thinking as well um right. I'm going to ask you for track one uh Sid for the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro please <laughs> yeah so this is um Tenacious D uh Kilbasa so it's the first track of Tenacious D's first album which I uh will defend in any circle. I don't care who's in the room. I don't care if it's Prince, D'Angelo. I will defend that record as being of musical work um, because I think, yeah, anyway, I love a, I love, I love humorous records and um, Tenacious D, they draw the line perfectly between like actually amazing music, but they're also taking the piss. And I think often people who make records are a bit concerned with like, trying to sound cool or trying to be good or, try, you know, and they forget the music at its best. is just having fun. And so often people who are trying to make silly music, they let go of some of the ego and, and therefore the music can be even greater. Anyway, this song, it starts off with Jack Black talking to Kyle Gass. who's like playing in this chord and he's like, he's like, no, no, I don't like it. And he's like trying to get a chord that he likes. Um, and then they find the right chord and they go, that's it. And then they start playing. It's just, yeah, I, I, it just always made me laugh, and uh, they're so good at the skits, those those two. So I thought I had to include it. And I think that, you know, there's there's novelty records that are instantly, that instantly die, instantly, you know, it's just can sound tragic and, and never get played again. <laughs> Tenacious D got it right. They just got it right. I don't know... Don't know why. <laughs> Obviously, they they you know, the incredible musicians. Jack Black's voice is incredible. You know, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I don't know where you if if Tenacious D was the first time you heard it, but I I remember seeing um, the movie High Fidelity. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and for me, that was one of the best performances, Jack Black, and the performance from Jack Black that just made me think, who is this dude? He's mm. ridiculously great. Mm. And then at the end when you just think he's going to be this absolute dickhead that's been banging on about his band for the whole film, comes on <laughs> and just rips, like, Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye. Spectacularly. And, like, yeah. and you just think, my God, he can really sing. And then, yeah, you know, Carl Gass, and then surrounded by their, I mean, they're they're in the gang with... With the Foos and uh, and, yeah, and Queens yeah. and a Stone Age, so there's good stock around them as well, aren't there? So it, 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 I think that added extra credibility to the you know the Muso yeah, side yeah. of it, and you yeah, know, and yeah, it's yeah. one of them bands that the kind of the indie press got behind it, Kerrang, mm. and the rock press got behind it. I think it was just, mm. yeah, I think they just 
got that kind of balance of comedy and music. And I think that's a really hard thing to do to get that right and be able to do it with credibility. And I think 100%. And I think they got that on the money there. They really did. It's a sweet spot that's very difficult to hit because you, you've, you've sort of got to become, and it can only come from really loving what you're, what you're sort of joking around. And I think that's why Jack Black's so great because he obviously, and obviously Carl Gatt, they they're obsessed with music and with the rock that they're sort of making a pastiche of. Like this, they're slightly taking the mickey out of like Dio and all those big sort of glamorous rock bands. Uh, but they obviously love them so much and have listened to so much of it with with that sort of reverent worship of like a true student of that type of music that he can he can and it's sort of in in a funny way when someone takes the piss and it's good it does this amazing thing it's like a, it's like a it's like a, a court jester walks into the sort of into like the fancy room of, of the music industry because suddenly you're like oh hang on yeah making tunes is just pissing about and you lot are taking it so seriously like you're some special high priest but really, if you if you know the, the type of music really well and you love it and you can play, then you can imitate and you can write your own shit. Anyone can do it. <laughs> like that's it's no secret, at least not, you know. And um, I, I think that's that's part of the, the joy for me with when people do that thing right that you're talking about. It's so hard to do. Is it just like it's like it just sort of lets the pressure off the idea of music because you're like, oh, this is actually they're joking, but this is actually kind of sick. Yeah, and that, that that line between where it's almost undeniable where they might be being silly, but the content is so good that you you just can't help it, and you're just like, all right, go on then. Um, I love it, which I'm trying to do at the moment. Actually, I'm very lucky to be working with um, people just do nothing. The show that was on the BBC, um, I don't know if you saw it, called uh, about corrupt FM about the garage pirate radio station it's one of my favorite shows I was I had Seeper on a couple of weeks ago and uh and we had uh, oh, no. we had a lovely chat yeah oh great well I was with him yesterday so we're they're, they're um they probably told you about the film they got coming out mm. um so they wanted to do an album around that and um love like original corrupt FM tracks uh because they've done sort of like a record before where they were just rapping on the on sort of garage garage tunes anyway so yeah through a weird coincidence or just a weird turn of events where i'd made this this tune called your mum loves garage well like under a different alias when i was putting on raves about two years ago um the, the, their manager heard it and was like oh this is a fun track you should you should record a corrupt version of it and then we got introduced to each other and then we my friend fred who's an amazing producer came into the mix and we started making tunes and yeah so now we've made a whole album we've made like 10 10 corrupt original corrupt fm tracks with amazing features and great you know lots of craig david's on there um actually maybe i can't say that <laughs> anyway um that that whole line that we're treading and i think that they did so well where, where they like they're taking the piss but they're still getting booked to play Glastonbury. Like they're still selling out fat menus all yeah. over the country, but they're not, they're not, they're not actually like trying to, but they, it's like, where's the line? It's like but, you are, you are literally DJ and rapping, but you're not. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but like you said, in regards to Tenacious D, like I see corrupt as the same. It's like that. You don't make comedy that good and observational unless you love that. Yeah. Like they love that scene. They love that music, and like, and it, it, you know, you can't fake that. And then when they start rapping, you're like, 
oh shit they're really good like you know so it is and they completely got it right like completely got it right i think that's one of the the greatest comedy shows that's been on the uk for a long time and uh yeah can't wait to see that film really calm yeah me neither me neither and also get get excited because sepa yeah he showed a bit of the skill so far but there is he's got some like he's gonna be i think shocking not shocking but People are going to be like, "Oh, wow! This guy can—he can really rap." And this, and it, it, you can see it in the through the course of the album. So, yeah, wicked. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Sid, what was the first song you remember hearing that uh, had an emotional impact on you? Okay, yeah. Change of, change of tone now. Um, so... I obviously, I couldn't remember. I don't know exactly. But I, I remember when, one of the first places I used to listen to music was with my mum would always have lots of CDs in her car and just drive me around when I was little. And um, she used to have great, great music tastes. That's where most of my music tastes come from. Um, and she'd always have Bill Withers live at, at Carnegie Hall, this, that, that live record they did in the 70s, I think. Um, and... Yeah, I used to love it, and it, that he's you know he's got such a cool way of being on stage. And uh, we were sort of me and my brother and my sister were just sitting in the back, and we were such, such like obsessives even at that age of music. We just like learn every, every CD my mum had, we'd learn all the words. Yeah, I remember there was this song called "Hope She'll Be Happier." Yeah, "Hope She'll Be Happier" by Bill Withers on Carnegie Hall record, and and it just it sort of broke up the flow of, of the performance, and he just suddenly like. This really melancholy guitar solo, like, and it was—I could feel even the little child like changing the energy, and then he just—it's the saddest song, uh, and I didn't understand why really, probably at the time, but it's got all these really long notes. He's—he's he's saying maybe the lateness of the hour, maybe the lateness, makes me feel feel bluer than I am, but in my heart there's a shower. I hope she'll be happier with him, and it's just this like a couple of lines that go around and it just, yeah, I, I just, even to this day, even thinking about it now, I want to cry. 
Um, it just seems like the most, I suppose I wouldn't have thought this as a child, but like that angle to take, like, I, I just love, I love really romantic stuff. Um, and the idea that he's like, he's suffering all this pain and the only thing he'll say he's not getting angry with anyone he's just like I hope she'll be happier with him and that's it it's it's, wow just always hit me still does and so what what would that emotion have been that you felt then um I guess it's like it's that like huge that there's no word for it definitely not in this language but it's it, for me, it's the emotion that powers so many of like the sad love songs, where it's like it's, it's like regret, kind of like what could have been, the idea that something good has passed, and like it's it's an emotion that you see in in yeah in loads of stuff in in literature as well, and it's that like longing for what has been, and like you know imagine what I don't know, but but as a kid, I'm not sure I would have understood any of that but you just you can hear the pain in his voice he's got one of those really like heart it's almost like his the 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 distance between his heart and his vocal cords is shorter than the average person it's just straight away the emotion connects through to um to the vibrations voice and so i guess that's what i would have been yeah so for track three i'm going to ask you the song that reminds you of your time at school please sid um, I think I said, what did I say? Linkin Park or no? For, uh, you, you sent me a little school and big school, which I like. Okay. You broke it down. <laughs> uh, you went bowling for soup for little school. Bowling for soup, yeah. So would and, that have uh, been around the time of like, um, kind of all of that stuff, all of that kind of, you know, American pie isms and blinks and, yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was you all yeah, over exactly. that? Yeah, I mean, I was to a bit. Yeah, I think it was just. Yeah, I, I used to love when if you're like a little kid, you're just starting to like become like rebellious. It was it was such a fun way to do that whole thing, like sort of like big guitar riffs and bands like The Offspring and and some Forty One and yeah, I don't know. What about you? Do you like that? Um, it. it uh... I mean, I was probably, I'm 47, so, but that's the stuff that I was playing in my club um, right, a, right, right. a lot. And and to this day, you know, I still get, you know, mm. skate kids coming up that still want to hear, uh, yeah, Bowling for Soup, some 41, you know, all of that stuff. It, it's it's kind of, it's stuck around and, uh, mm. you know, it's uh, it's not necessarily my bag, but mm. uh, but it was, it dominated you know, the, the the kind of American side of alternative guitar pop at that time. That was what, yeah. you know, was exploding everywhere. And it it did all just seem to come off the back of like American Pie. And then mm. yeah, it just seemed everything was about kind of, you know, that whole kind of American sort of frat boy kind of skate yeah. thing. And it just, you know, it was, it, it, it was fun. And, and, and I do think that them kind of bands, they're fun. You know, they're, they're, mm. they're, you know, if you're a, if you're a little kind of you know rock kid or skater, then that stuff kind of soundtracks it nicely. But uh, mm, yeah, definitely. I wouldn't go back and necessarily put an album on there though. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not an album, but you know what? On a songwriting level, my I've got these two best friends who 
um, humor me in my various weird habits. Um, I've got one habit where I play bowling for soup, um, girl of the bad guys want and just break it down. Like on a songwriting level, a lot of those great bands, Sum 41 and um, yeah, bowling for soup and, and uh, even Linkin Park stuff. Like it's unbelievable. It's like, you know, like George Gershwin levels of, of songwriting. It's particularly Girl All the Bad Guys Want is like perfectly written tune. It's got the whole like, but all the melodies and and even some of the lyrics that are involved. There's that one bit when he's like, um, when she walks, all the wind blows and the angels sings. Like really like over the top almost, you know, and, and, and the harmony underneath it is so beautiful. So you got this, like, it sounds like a cliche. No, 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 no. But it's got so much depth to it. There's like a breakdown where they go half time at the end. And it's like it's kind of funny lyrics, but also really, really great. Almost perfect, really catchy. Like, she's watching wrestling, listening in the top cat. Um, and it's, it's pure pop. It's pure yeah, pop. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know... I can witter on for ages trying to be, you know, indie wanker talking about, you know, obscure shoegaze records that were produced by blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but to write the perfect pop song, that's harder than anything. Mm. To hook people and then just hold them there. And then the minute you hear that song for the first time and it's finished, you walk away and you still remember it. You just think, wow, that's so infectious that the hooks in that are ridiculous. And, mm. and I do think, you know, for me, I, I listen to, you know, if you was to look at, what how you've just broke down bowling for soup there i'm the same with nevermind by nirvana i think nevermind is the perfect pop album i think yeah. yes it's an incredible guitar rock masterpiece but in its mm. very essence every track on there mm. super cool verse mm. ridiculously infectious chorus and it's just yeah. laden with hooks really yeah. infectious riffs it's like yeah i think you know you're I, right i think the word Pop sometimes is used as a dirty word, and I, and I don't think it should be. I think like some of the greatest records made by some of the most revered bands, when you break them down, it's the pop sensibilities that make some of them songs absolutely so resonate. Good. Mate, I couldn't agree more. I think that applies across every genre, whether you're in hip hop, whether you know grunge with Nirvana, or like the real like. Well, I mean, what the, the definition? I, I, pop is a dirty word, and I think sadly that the music industry per se. As in, like the fine the the economic side of like trying to make music into a business has maybe turned pop against itself a bit, just because they incentivize by having you know if you can make this much money if you get tracked to the charts and you know as music production techniques evolved it was like okay well we could just do these four chords with this little Afro beat and then we get someone to sing hook and and you know done done deal. And so I think it degenerated a little bit in the last sort of 10 years. But um, what pop usually has been is just like tunes that are approachable and, and like understandable to the most amount of people. So like a granny would hear it and be like, oh, that's nice. And a little kid would hear it and, and, and want to dance around. And popular. What better? Pop, exactly. Yeah, popular. And, and, and yeah, it's accessible. And I think if, if you're thinking about music as sort of, something for the people, then what better job could you do than, than making something which can make the most people happy? And that doesn't mean you should do degenerative, degenerative like kind of 
just mind-numbingly catchy shite. I'm against that as well. But as you say, a well-crafted song, no matter the genre or, or, or the angle of it, is is a thing of beauty because it often makes people happy and, you know, connects. And you did choose another song for second uh, for uh, secondary school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of wish we had these to play now because it's just such a huge contrast. Um, yeah, Smash TV from um, Chasing Sta- Chase Status, uh, first record, more than a lot. Uh, I just always, it was just crazy. I remember just, so I was at music school when I was, uh, when I was young and I was, you know, playing music all the time and slightly sheltered. And I went to older school and people started introducing me to like grind and dubstep and jungle and I just, it blew my mind. <laughs> And I absolutely loved it. And I started going out a little bit. And, um, yeah, I just remember that my ears not being at but this particular track, Smash TV, it's just, it's an absolute assault on the ears. And it's sort of a jungle inspired, like, yeah, you know the one. Um, with that, you're in the jungle, baby. And it's like, bah, 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 bah. And it's just crazy. And I remember just like jumping around the corridors at, at school with my friend, like playing it out on our phone and just like, they're smashing into each other and um i think that i'm i'm so grateful for that whole time i sort of turn my back on like formal music training and, and just structure and was purely into into the things which kind of came from i don't know just a place of fun and and uh, yeah smash tv was like one of the first most extreme ones that tunes like that, that yeah made me feel like that i am um... I spoke to Liam Bailey on here a couple of months ago and, uh, and and whilst doing a bit of prep for it, I just kind of was, was watching some stuff on YouTube and, and, uh, and watched his performance of um, Blind Faith at their <laughs> show at the O2. And it was the first time that like literally I'd become a little bit emotional about the fact that gigs don't exist, crowds don't exist, because I was just watching the joy that was happening on stage times 10 what was happening in the crowd, and it was just back and forth, back and forth, just this beautiful thing. And it was like, and that song's quite a, a, a powerful and, 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 you know, beautiful record. Yeah. And I was just, first thing, just watching that, that, that gig that made me just think, oh, man, when's that going to happen? When can yeah. that happen again, man? Because it just looks so beautiful. Yeah, wow. Yeah, just uh, you, I, you really just took me there. I was just thinking, wow, it's yeah, it's it's almost like a holy thing, not in the religious, but it's it's like a communion. That exchange of the band or the performers really giving their whole self up, and then the crowd are like giving all the love back, and you're just exchanging this. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, and Lord knows we need it, oh, I think. Uh, more yeah. than ever, mate. More than ever. <laughs> what was the first song you remember buying from a record shop? Um, I bought, I remember I had I had about six quid or something, and I bought a single of Without Me by Eminem for about 99p or 199 or something. And then I got the Gorillaz album was reduced in HMV, um, the first one. Um the one with the white cover when they're all in that big Jeep and fun. Yeah. And I got that. And yeah, I was a very happy boy. I, I had my little Walkman, my little Sony Walkman CD player with the weird headphones. Um, 
and I was yeah, I learned every word to the without to without me wearing the mirror. Just like a little little ginger kid rapping at the age of eleven or ten or whatever. I mean, it's something that, that, that you know, uh, you, you're talking about deconstructing Bowling for Soup and, and, and creating perfect pop songs. When you'd listen to music at that age in your headphones, you know, and, and uh, like you say, back then it would be in CD. So, you know, you would cherish what you had and you would rinse, rinse, rinse what you got. So with that in mind, like, was, you, was you deconstructing songs then and like kind of trying to work out how they were put together sort of I think not intentionally only only out of yeah only through sort of obsession and, and like you say through just rinsing rinsing stuff and like finding bits I think my ears were just going in like I, I was always had really sensitive ears and um, doing a lot of music from a very young age and I think when I started to have my own CD player, and that's my first, I guess it would be my, my, the start of my personal relationship with music, with recorded music. I think my ears just started to really dive into everything. And um, yeah, I just, I just, I was, I couldn't get enough. So I think with lyrics and with Eminem, like the way that it, I didn't really, I had no idea what it was on about, but the way that it sounded, it was just irresistible to me. And so I had to, work out how he was doing it and how to do the sounds and what, and what were, I didn't know what most of the words were, but I could imitate it kind of thing. And then, um, yeah, I, there were so many songs that I just found so pleasing in different ways. And I used to always be like talking to my friend, even at a young age, like, oh, you got, I mean, I spoke about everyone and I could really feel the meaning. Um, and I think I, even at that age, I was like soundtracking my life with songs. I remember like, it's <laughs> so, so embarrassing. I remember I was like 10 and I was like on, on a school bus to a school trip or something, whatever. And this girl that I really fancied had like turned me down or she'd like gone off with my friend. I think gone off for like they held hands or whatever. And I wanted her to hold my hand, right? And then <laughs> and I, had my, <laughs> I had my CD player and I had Linkin Park. Oh my God. I had Linkin Park in the end loaded up. And I just, I must have walked past him. Listen to that. That's how I feel. And her listening to this fucking over-emotional Linkin Park track. She must have just given it back to me like, all right. what? But I think that the meaning of song, I could really, I knew exactly what they meant and I could feel the language of music so clearly. So I guess I was, I was more sort of getting into that than deconstructing the, uh, I don't know, the technical side of it. You you mentioned uh, obviously for track two, uh, hearing the CD in your mum's car. Like growing up, like you said that your mum had good taste in music. Was there always like music on at home? Mm, yeah, yeah, always, always. So my mum's a music therapist um, for a job. So she uh, and she's just really musical all the time. You know, she's always, she always has been, and she sings and plays instruments and things like that. And my dad as well was. He, he doesn't work in music, but he um, he's just incredibly musical and plays piano and he sings and he'd always have friends around who were, a lot of his friends are like professional singers and so they'd come and they'd sing. and Yeah, there'd always be records and CDs on at all times and they were both in their own different areas, like obsessed with the music that they loved and were trying to convince us, well, show it to us basically. And, you know, every, every night they'd be singing us to sleep and things like that. So, yeah, I, I was literally... I was sort of 
born in, in, in like a sort of a bath of music at, at all times, pretty much. Um, yeah. Okay, for track five, the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. I mean, you're still a young man, so clubbing, I'm sure when we're allowed to, we'll be back on the uh, agenda. But if you had to pick one that that has, uh, has been important in your time clubbing. Um, yeah, I think it's so, it's so hard. I'm sure you know that's such a hard question just because, um, you know, there's so, there are so many. And there's so, almost there's so many chapters to to my relationship with clubbing even now. And, uh, but I think for me, if I, if I had to like Desert Island Disc, like a tune of that type of music, what is the one I would take? And it, then it would be this, it would be Wednesday by Bad Company. Um, just because I think I love drum and bass. That's my, that's my genre that I like to go out to. That's the thing that I, I feel most able to be free and, 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 and enjoy, I don't know, the experience of, of being out and dancing. I think drum and bass does it the best for me. And it also, I think it's, it's so British and it's such a weird genre, but, and yet it's so, it's so powerful and so great. And I think it has a really, powerful effect on 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 human beings i just think the rhythm of it there's something about it where it just it almost like sinks in with the with, with your natural rhythms and um yeah and this particular tune is it's like a masterpiece of drum and bass i think i think those the guys in bad company were producing some really forward-thinking clever music and this it's it's got it all it's it's got like this kind of weird, they sample, they use the sample, there are these quite emotional samples in it and it, it, it feels, it's got, it's got an emotive quality to it like all the best drum bass does and yeah, it's got the, like the rolling, pumping drums and then this big subby bass that when it comes in, it just gives you that sort of endorphin payoff that, that a big bass line can do. Yeah, and I, I always loved it um, and also, I once played it, I once DJed at this little after party in um, Glastonbury at the Gorilla Bar. Um, this is a bit of a long story, but my favorite DJ is this guy, Randall, right? So he was like an old jungle legend and I've always been obsessed with him. And then this guy, Garfield, runs this after hours party at Glastonbury and I was always pestering Garfield saying, oh, let me DJ, I've got my USB, like, come on, give me a set. And he's like, no, 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 like, okay, fine, fine. And then one night, I I run into Garfield's after party and I've I've had a few disco biscuits let's say and I'm dancing around and there's jungle playing and it's this tiny little tent and I look up and it's Rand Daddy Randall is DJing right there and I'm like oh my god so I'm like loving his set dancing around mashed and then Garfield the owner comes over and he's like Ed have you got your USB and I'm like yeah he's like do you want to go on now and I was like what after Randall <laughs> Like not able to conceive a reality where I'm going to follow Randall, and I was like, like no, he's like, come on, come on, now, now you've been asking me for a sec. Now's the time. So I got up there and I'm standing there, like my eyes like this, really shifty, and Randall just sort of looks at me, he's like, yeah, you are, mate. What are you going to play? And I was like, uh, not not jungle. Like I, I don't want to compete with him. I was like, I'll, I'll play some dub or something. So. Randall gets off. I play some dub. I don't want to try and do what he's trying to do. And then he's at the bar. And then I load up Wednesday by Bad Company. And I play it. And I start with like big low cut and a high cut. So you can't really hear what it is. And then the, the pills just helped me. There was one moment where I managed to flick things at the right time. 
when the bass came in and it just sounded good. And I like look up at Randall cautiously and he just looks at me just gives me a nod and I was like oh my god I can die I can die happy <laughs> Randall just nodded at me uh, I'll, I'll cut this set off right now I'm going home boys <laughs> whilst DJing at Glastonbury as well let's just uh, also mention that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> wonderful um, well I'm going to take you home uh, for track six because I want a favourite song from an artist from your home county please Sid yeah so been living in Somerset but I'm from London from Shepherd's Bush. Um, and yeah, Shepherd's Bush has got a great history with, um, with, with rock and roll bands, particularly, uh, the who and, and the clash and a lot of other people sort of lived and, and made music around here. So yeah, I would say the clash, um, bank robber. I think it's a great, great tune. Um, sort of like, a um, timeless tune. And it's it feels very West London to me as well. It's not only is it a good good song, but it feels to like sum up that that culture of I don't know rock and roll and and it, like the reggae influence and 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 the yeah the West Indian presence, but also sort of the snarling Joe Strummer um, attitude. Uh, and it's just a great tune. I can listen to it all day. Yeah. That's a that's a solid shout that as well. And Bank Robber will probably be mine as well. <laughs> uh, last track. So this is your opportunity, Sid, to turn someone onto something that um they may not have heard before. And it's a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear, please. Um hang on. I can't what what was it that I said? I can tell you. It was <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, it's, it's so obscure that even I don't know it. Uh, Lottie's Crucifixes, sung by Tenebrae or Dooley Wilson, or Dooley Wilson as time goes by. Okay. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, wow. Yeah, that first one is a bit... So, yeah, if you would like to listen to some seven-part harmony uh 16th century italian um choral music then this is the best tune for you lotti crucifixus that's a composer called lotti and it's a song called crucifixus that they sing at easter about jesus being crucified anyway you'll probably know it you might recognize it because in films it's just one of those unbelievably beautiful pieces of classical music with, with the soaring high voices and 
yeah, it's it's a really beautiful track that maybe people wouldn't know. And I think there's a whole goldmine of classical music and choral music that no one listens to. So that's more just like if you're if that's what you need, I got you. Go check it out. But then as as time goes by, by Dooley Wilson is for me one of the greatest songs of all time. And um it inspired this last record I put out for lovers. It's just a man like telling the story about what it's almost he's basically talking about the meaning of life, but he does it in a really beautiful way and it's jazzy and there's never a bad time to listen to it. So yeah, I'd recommend that one probably higher even than crucifixes. Well, we put together a Spotify playlist to enable everybody to listen to all of your, your choices today, Sid. Um, and as we, you know, continue into 2021 with with, with hope and, and, and focus on being able to, to get back to rubbing shoulders with people in pubs, clubs, venues, wherever, uh, mm. and reconnecting, what, what are you looking forward to um, from this year and what is happening professionally? Um, yeah, I suppose I'm looking forward to the, the thing you just said the most, the, the shoulder rubbing. But then um, professionally, there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, the Corrupt project has been amazing thing to work on. And uh, I'm really proud of what we've done so far. And I'm really excited just for like people like me who, who love their show and who love that whole world of music to hear what we've made um, because I think it's it's going to put a lot of smiles on a lot of faces. So I'm excited for that whole process, putting it out, doing the videos, touring and, you know, all of that. I think that's going to be an absolute laugh. And also, yeah, for my for my own Sid Stone um, project, there's a lot of, of really exciting musicians who I'm starting to work with and just a lot of, like, the, the signs that tell me that we've got some exciting times ahead. Um, and yeah, getting that show on the road and, and going out with a band and playing, playing music for people, God willing, if, if that is such a thing we can do. Yeah, just continuing to write and record. And, and yeah, I'm also working, writing songs with some great people. This girl, Isla, who's um, E-Y-E-L-A-R, who's one of the best singers and, and, and up-and-coming pop uh, artists in, in the UK, definitely. And we've been writing some tunes together which uh, I'm really excited about. I think she's a great talent and um, I think some, some cool stuff will happen this year, for sure. And if people want to keep up to speed with uh, all of these projects that you're working on, see, where's the best place to, to, to keep up to speed with that? Yeah, just probably my Instagram. So uh, at, at Sid the Stone on Instagram, um, that's mostly my art stuff, but then I'm, I'm always in the studio with the corrupt guys. And, you know, if you want to know about corrupt films, go follow them. <laughs> So um, you're, ha- yeah. you're happy if I tag you in this when it comes out on Instagram so people can go and explore uh, stuff? Yeah, please. Wonderful. Yeah, please. Yeah, and I've got lots more content on Facebook as well, Sid the Stone on Facebook, and yeah, I'm around on Spotify. Yeah. Sid, it's been an absolute joy talking records with you. Thanks so much for your time, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me. There you go. Sid Stone absolute gent that was a lovely chat um really really enjoyed that go check out uh, all the stuff that sid's doing he's tagged in all the socials for this so go go click them links give him a follow give him a share give him a retweet and while you're over there on your socials give off the beaten track a like love share retweet because it all helps you know it's all about getting the word out there you know and you've been so supportive on this podcast and um, you know all i want to do is 
continue to you know deliver as many you know great listens for you as I can and if more people hear about it even better you know I, I love doing this and and I just want people to listen and uh, and so if more and more people find out about the podcast oh that's an absolute joy um so yeah if you see us give us a like love share or a retweet um you can find out about everything to do with this podcast at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com and i'm back next time stay safe you lovely people be excellent to one another and uh, and i love you bye i've got an announcement save our souls clothing www.sosclothing.co.uk why am i telling you this because they're our official sponsor yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So, if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk, official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It means stew with it.